0: To play i'm gonna
1: before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked
0: before the fans swarm the stands
1: and before the hawkeyes take the field kgym sports radio breaks down this weekend's iowa football game this, this is before
0: the boom
2: before the boom
0: Here's your host, Spencer Wagon. Welcome
1: inside the Circus Sports Iowa studios on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids here at KGYM. Time for another edition of Before the Boom. I am not Spencer Wagon. Skeleton staff here this week as we get ready for a very short week, holiday week, Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, and then a Black Friday showdown at Kinnick Stadium between the Hawkeyes and the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and it's one with a lot of meaning for at least one of the two teams involved. And we'll get into that coming up in just a little bit. I'm Ty camp co-host of the Ty Camp Show with Alex Kuhn. You can hear it on KGYM Monday through Friday from 4 until 6 o'clock. With me, as always, here on Before the Boom, Mark Dukes, Scott Unash. They are the gym class. You can catch them on KGYM from 3 until 4 every day and we will look back on last week's victory over the minnesota golden gophers in just a little bit but man, did we expect to be sitting here four weeks ago talking about iowa winning this game going to indianapolis the answer to that is no but that's exactly how we find ourselves
3: <laughs> the last uh, you're right and interestingly enough I don't know many people that made it through the entire second half of the Ohio State game without going out and doing something. Yard work, golf, washing your car, whatever it was. And, you know, people didn't give up on the season, but it was like, okay, now lucky to get to 500. And then, boom, this happens. Crazy year. Now
2: a chance to win five in a row. And you're right, Todd, nobody thought that was possible. It's been been an adventurous, strange, odd year. And last week was just another chapter in that uh, that book. Well, this
1: is always an interesting week inside the Iowa football complex because it's short, it's a different schedule than the Hawkeyes are used to, but Kirk Ferentz discussed on Tuesday... When we chatted with him in Iowa City about that extra element, the one that we 've been talking about, the fact that Iowa could possibly play for a big Ten championship
0: I think we all know you know what's what 's at stake what 's possible, and all that but yeah, my encouragement has been to them just you know we, we got to focus on this week purely that 's really all it 's about, and that was really our attitude five weeks ago, you know pretty much that was the, the goal we had five games, five weeks, excuse me, five games. And you know, one of the points I made to him, you can do anything for five weeks. It's not like you know, so just let's let's make sure we're really focused on what we need to uh now we're down to four days really, so you know that that's all that counts and uh, I do know this if if going back to the first one after uh, coming out of Columbus, you know if we hadn't won that one. Being in this position right now wouldn't be possible. So, just try to explain to him like that game was really important too, just like this one on Friday is important, and I don't think any is more important than the other in, in the big picture. So, if you take care of what you're supposed to take care of, you might might be fortunate enough to be in a good position. And uh, you know, we find ourselves there now. The worst thing we can do is start thinking about things on the outside, uh, you know, other stuff, and we just got to worry about getting ready for a tough opponent.
1: A tough opponent that Iowa has not had any issues with. Well, they have had issues with. Well, let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit coming up in just a few seconds after we look back on the Minnesota game, of course. But Iowa has had its hands full with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We'll get into the history here, the recent history between these two teams. But let's start by looking back at last week's game. It was as cold and as frigid as we talked about here in the studios last week. On our previous edition of Before the Boom, Hawkeyes go north to the Twin Cities. Things start out kind of with a bang. Big play to Sam Laporta and seem to set the tone. Minnesota did not go away, and I can't remember who said this last week maybe we all did it was going to come down to turnovers and minnesota made more mistakes than iowa did last week and ultimately iowa able to go up there and escape with a 13 10 win floyda rosedale comes back home and seventh win of the season
2: <laughs> it's so unlikely you think about mo Ibrahim rushing for what was it 263 yards a game in which there were no penalty well, none no penalties no called. No penalties called, Mark. And no turnovers <laughs> until the fourth quarter. And that's when Iowa benefited with the uh with the fumble, although um, you know that that didn't really set up anything except for a three and out. But then uh, there's Johnny on this, Jack on the spot, Captain on the spot, whatever it may be. Riley Moss pokes the ball out and, and uh what you know, a pass by Minnesota? What's that? Let's take an informal
1: poll here. <laughs> touchdown or no touchdown? Jack oh, Campbell's touchdown. An exception. Okay. Scott down. says touchdown. Yes. Marks says touchdown. I say touchdown. We were watching it at Hazard, the big KGYM KZIA watch party, and everybody was going nuts. And yeah, they ruled on the call. The call on the field was that. <clears throat> He had stepped out of bounds. Iowa was able to get the field goal there. Do you have a little nerves watching the second attempt from Drew Stevens? You know what? Go through he nailed the first one. That was the way it should have went through though for this Iowa season. He chunked it.
3: He hit behind it, and it was the ugliest kick, ugliest game winning kick you've ever seen. But boy, it was beautiful in the end. But that was just you know, that's just the way that this season has gone for Iowa. Yeah, the pretty one, nope, you can't have that. It's got to be the one, you know, Mark and I are golfers. That was the wedge that you have 85 yards in that you hit about 63. Very familiar <laughs> with that. <laughs> but it went through. <laughs> uh,
2: as it has been week in and week out, it's the defense, right? And Tory Taylor had a, a pretty good game. By the way, not a semifinalist for the Ray Guy Award.
1: Explain, that, that, explain that one can't 13 16 guy however many there were three big 10 punters on the list there was an australian big 10 punter on the list adam korsak from rutgers tory taylor's not on there i i don't know what that guy has to do to of course he had some pretty pointed observations about that list and the award at the beginning of the season but i don't think we have the button we can't play the audio because we can't (laughs) beep out what he had to say about his thoughts on that but uh Let's uh, let's stick with what we were talking about here with the Minnesota game because Mark brought up Mo Ibrahim's performance. 39 carries, 263 yards, and uh, an uncharacteristic performance from the Iowa defense. Lucas Van Ness talked a little bit about that on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, last week wasn't the way that we wanted to go. You know, we had uh, some assignment issues, just... You no know, issues where, you know, and credit to, to Minnesota and, you know, Mohammed Ibrahim, you know, great running back, great vision. You know, he was great back there. But, again, you know, our, our focus this week is, you know, again, play better up front. I think that as a unit we uh, were upset about how many yards we let up. So, you know, that's a goal for us, like you said, a little better rush defense and, you know, try to get after them a little more this week. Any concern with this game on Friday that, that Nebraska could move the ball against this defense? Not really for me.
3: I mean, I heard you guys talk to Mitch Sherman, and he said Nebraska could get shut out, which I nearly uh, you know, drove off the road uh, when he said that. (laughs) But uh, Nebraska's line, decent, but they are not Minnesota's offensive line. And like Mark said earlier on, and everybody knows by now, it was so Mm -hmm. cold, the officials wanted to get out of there. They weren't going to call anything unless it was egregious. Um, Iowa was holding, Minnesota was holding, Ibrahim's a great runner, and I I think it was just in a, one of those things, as far as the Iowa defense is concerned, and and like we just heard from that clip, I give all the credit in the world in the Minnesota offensive line, which is a very good offensive line.
2: Very good. Uh, start four seniors, big, experienced, and had, uh, uh, had a, an excellent day against the Iowa defense, and I'm sitting here wondering, I used to vote in all Big Ten teams, and What not? If I had to pick two running backs in the Big Ten for first-team All-Big Ten running back, we have short memories. Ibrahim, 263 against Iowa. I don't think he's had less than a 100-yard game since 2019, although he missed most of one year. Blake Corum, Chase Brown, Braylon Allen. Who am I missing? Who are you going to vote for if you had two votes?
1: That's why there's a utility position. <laughs> Ibrahim would get one of them. It's a question of who would get the second vote at this point. If you're P.J. Fleck, you got to be thinking about making a deal with the devil or something at this point, right, to beat Iowa. I mean, you look at the box score from last week. Minnesota has 17 first downs to Iowa's 13. They've rushed for 312 yards against an elite defense. They have a time of possession advantage of 10 minutes over Iowa, and they still can't get the job done. What is it about Iowa and Minnesota? Kirk Ferentz has had PJ Flex number.
2: I don't. It's Kirk's philosophy through the years. This is going to be his 300th game. Um, this coming Saturday, and as we pointed out before, a third, at least, I think, like 120 of them have been one-score games. Uh, I think I would dictate that, but not in this game. Those stats you pointed out, Todd, were uh, just unbelievable. Uh, and PJ Flex said it afterwards: we did everything but win the game. And sometimes it's weird, quirky. We've seen it at other times in games uh, uh, this year for Iowa. Saw it again uh, last Saturday.
3: Why'd you throw the football? Yeah. I mean, I'm still wondering why, and I don't know if it was coordinator, I don't know if it was P.J. Fleck, I don't know who, but you're running the ball up and down. They're not calling anything. Run the ball. Run the ball. As, you know, I was very glad they didn't, and they called a pass in that situation, but... There are just certain teams that you have their number. There are certain teams that have your number. There are certain teams that you are, you know, seemingly your philosophy matches up well against. There are other teams that match up well against what you're doing. I think Iowa just matches up well against Minnesota, and they've created a few breaks over the years and have gotten a few breaks over the years, including Saturday.
1: Hawkeyes beating Minnesota last week 13-10 to at Huntington Bank Stadium. That is their fourth win in a row after that 54-10 loss to Ohio State that everybody thought essentially ended the season for the Hawkeyes. Now they find themselves getting ready to possibly play for a Big Ten championship next weekend in Indianapolis. We'll get to the scenarios. Well, there really are no scenarios to get to. Iowa wins against Nebraska on Black Friday. They go to Indianapolis. Let's go ahead and take a look at the Huskers because you're going from one team that Iowa has had a tremendous amount of success against to another team that Iowa has had a great amount of success against. The Huskers... It's been a while. Seven wins in a row for the Hawkeyes in this series. They play for the Heroes Game Trophy. I'm trying to think of how many coaches that span. That goes all the way back to Bo Pelini, I think, (laughs) Iowa's winning streak in this series. Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Win or lose, this is his last game. Does that make... The game on Friday a little bit dangerous that these guys could go. They have nothing to lose at this point. They've lost five games in a row. Nebraska's three and eight. They're two and six in the Big Ten. They can't go to a bowl game but what they can do is they can play spoiler. Hmm.
2: Yeah, you have to wonder about the mentality. Uh, Are they going to win one for Joseph? um, uh, I don't believe in that, you know, this is our bowl game type thing. But you could paint that scenario I suppose, but at three and eight on the road, um, knowing what we know about Nebraska, I just I don't think they're going to be all too into it.
3: Yeah, I mean Joseph isn't going to be back. Uh, everybody knows that. It's just a situation. Uh, what are you going to lay in the line for that guy uh, at this point? And it's still uh, I was not good enough yet to not get up for anyone. Um, to take anybody for granted at this point. And you can't take Nebraska for granted. And I think they will be up a little bit uh, for Iowa. I mean, it's a rivalry, <laughs> kind of a made-up rivalry, but it is a rivalry. And, you know, I, I think Nebraska, I was going to get Nebraska's best shot, I think, coming up on
0: Friday.
1: Well, they have played a lot of close games in the series, as Kirk Ferentz reminded everybody on Tuesday.
0: It's like five points a win last four years. so um, and, and most of them are going right down to the wire. And that, that's what you have to expect. That, that's how I look at it. and I mean, typically nothing's easy for us. That's kind of the way of life. So, you know, it's just a way to find, find a way to win at the end. And, um, yeah, we're expecting this to be a real tough game. I mean, they've got some good players.
1: The last four seasons, this matchup has been decided by seven or fewer points any expectation that Friday is going to be any different? The Hawkeyes, as a frame of reference, currently an 11-point favorite in this game according to Circa Sports Iowa.
2: I think it uh, it will be different um, because of Iowa's defense because it's um, uh, senior day and we can perhaps talk about some of those seniors who are going to be playing their last game or at least appearing in the case of Sam Laporta, but you know, Nebraska, you look at Nebraska statistically, offense, defense, rush, pass, total offense, they're in the bottom third of the country in, in every category. I mean, they give up a ton of yards. They don't gain a lot of yards. But yet, but yet, they've been involved in five one-score games this year. And we, we know what happened last week against Wisconsin. Um, aside from Michigan, the last half of the season has been close games despite five straight losses for Nebraska. And as Todd pointed out, the series has been close the last half dozen years. But these two teams are not what the other teams were like five years ago.
3: No. No, it's not. And But make sure you, you scratch your head and... I mean, I'll ask you guys, what has happened to this uh, program? I mean, it's it's easy to kind of chronicle what. Uh, I mean, going down through Solich, through Callahan, through Bo Polini, who did a pretty darn good job, by the way, Frank Solich and, and Bo Pelini. Uh, but they were shown the door. But over the last handful of years, this, this is a program that gets to the fourth quarter and they look at the scoreboard and they go, uh-oh. How are we going to lose this one? I mean, is it to that mentality right now for Nebraska? I, I think it is. It gets, you know, the six inches between your ears or whatever. It starts to wear on you after a while.
1: I thought it was interesting you listened to Mickey Joseph's news conference earlier in the week where he talked about the next coach needing to adapt to the Big 10. Yeah. We talked about this Alex and I did with uh, with Mitch Sherman from the Athletic earlier in the week on the Todd Brunell Camp show with Alex Kuhn. Nebraska's been in the Big 10 for a decade. Yeah. Why are we still talking and I say we, why are they still talking in Lincoln about needing to adjust to the big It's been over a decade. And I think maybe that answers the question on why Nebraska has struggled the way that it has. It's trying to hold on to the past, and in doing so, it has not done itself any favors. <clears throat> Iowa, by the way, all time in the series as a Big Ten game, leads Nebraska 8-3. to That tells you everything you need to know about the Huskers' struggles as members of the Big Ten what direction do you think they go in? Who's the? <laughs> we talked about this the other day with Mitch. Uh, the sense is that maybe by Saturday, maybe by the end of the weekend, Nebraska has its next head coach. Well, it won't be uh, <clears throat> Lance Leipold. <laughs> Doesn't look like it does it. <laughs> he got it's paid. It's extension season for a lot of these guys. He got paid. Um, Matt Rule's name is coming up. Former Carolina Panthers head coach, tremendous college coach at Temple. Spent a little bit of time at Baylor. But, boy, that changes your entire philosophy.
3: I mean, it's going to take a while to get this thing back built up again, no matter who takes it over. But they're talking big names after big name after big name. And, I mean, I don't want to beat down on Nebraska, but, you know, where is this program right now compared to other programs around the country? I mean, is is it a program that, you know, they talked about Urban Meyer, Sky, you know, pie in the sky, things like that. Matt Rule who was with the NFL earlier this year. Is this still an attracting enough program to bring in guys like that?
2: It's not what it used to be. And I think uh, the downfall of Nebraska has been impatience with the head coaching position, bad hires at the head coaching position, uh, recruiting uh, has been a factor. This is a big hire for Trev Alberts, yeah, uh, the athletic director. Uh, They thought they had their man with Scott Frost, and we know how that turned out. Um, It's not going to happen overnight, I don't think, and uh, it's a huge hire. It's a huge hire. Whether the hire will turn things around uh, remains to be seen, but there's a lot of work to do.
3: Chris Kleiman, you guys were talking about the other day. That's intriguing to me. But
1: it's not to Nebraska fans. I think they would need to get over that. They why? I think it'd I mean, be a great hire. Yeah, I think it'd be a great
3: hire. Chris Kleiman's you know a guy moving up the ladder. He's a Midwest guy. He knows Nebraska. He gets it and a good coach. Um, but you're right. It's not. It's not glamorous enough for uh, for the Cornhuskers. And gone are the days where they could have 185 on their roster. Uh, you know, back in the '70s and the '80s, store 90 of them in the weight room for three years, and just replace them, and replace them, and replace them like that. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of Nebraskans still believe
1: that that is that is the way. But Tom Osborne's not walking through the door again. He, well, he might, but he'll be at the <laughs> back of the room during the introductory news conference. I, I think that's one of the things Nebraska needs to do. They need to move past. Does the new coach have to have a Nebraska tie? They did this with Scott Frost, you know, the the tie back to the Osborne <clears> era, <throat> or is it time to just try to go out and get a clean start, get somebody who's going to come in and and make that program, try to make that program a winner? I don't think you need a Nebraska tie. I don't think you do either. No. But their fans do, and you that's almost, something they'll have to get over.
2: You almost have to find lightning in a bottle, because we talk about Kloneman, talk about Leipold, we're or- Were there any guarantees with those two guys No, that they were going to turn the programs around? Good coaches, good pedigrees, but they were not big names, but they've done big things at their schools. Well, and neither
1: was Kirk Ferentz. You mentioned, Mark, earlier, 300th game as head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes coming up Friday as Iowa hosts the Nebraska Cornhuskers. As improbable as that seems, you think back to 1999, who was the first opponent for Nebraska. Parents. Nebraska 42-7. to Is that a Big Ten classic, by Did the way? not. It very well could be. <laughs> I was thinking that watching last week's USC-UCLA game at on TV, thinking this will pop up on the network. Life is not going to get any better for Nebraska anytime soon when USC and UCLA join the conference either. Uh, that's a conversation for another time here on Before the Boom, which we may not be done with this year. We'll get to that in just a second. Hawkeyes have an opportunity, if they win Friday, to play most likely Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game next weekend in Indianapolis. Do want to take an opportunity to say thank you to our Before the Boom sponsor, Edith Lucille's. Bait Shack and Wing Depot, a hidden gem on the banks of Squaw Creek. Check out their menu online at baitshackfun.com. they got some great specials there, the Friday night smoked prime rib, a great brisket special on Saturday as well. Uh, they have been a tremendous sponsor. we got to get out there sometime. If they're back next year as our sponsor, maybe we start doing this on location or maybe we start having lunch people would love that you know the podcast and and, Mm -hmm. shoving food in our mouth while we're doing this ben's mouth's watering uh let's uh (laughs) let's for this because we're allowed to do this we are allowed to look past a game and and play the hypothetical situation they're not doing it inside the football complex in iowa city iowa beats nebraska on friday they're playing a game next weekend in indianapolis it's either Michigan or Ohio State. I think it's clear the best matchup for the Hawkeyes would be Michigan. It's a rematch either way. I don't think you want a rematch with Ohio State. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten West does. Would a would a second game against Michigan go any different, in your opinion?
2: What well, uh, was it, 24-10 last, last outing?
1: With, the, with a touchdown by each team coming late, yeah. late in garbage time. Yeah. And, and bitterly cold. Again, the conditions weren't all that great. I just don't know how much you put into that first meeting. I was starting to move the ball a little bit against
3: Michigan. And, yeah, I, I'm with you. Michigan would be a much better matchup than Ohio State would be. Um, I think it, it wouldn't end up like last year like the 21 Big Ten Championship game. I know that. Unless things went just sideways as far as pick sixes and kickoff returns, punt returns, et I I think Iowa could play with them. I think Iowa could play with Michigan. I would much rather see an Iowa-Michigan matchup than an Iowa-Ohio State matchup. Um, not saying Iowa's going to win the football game, but I think they could hold their own.
2: I agree with both of you. Uh, Michigan would be a better matchup. Uh, Ohio State sometimes is not all in at the start of games. I mean, they started slow, and I'm just waiting for a team to take advantage of that. Maybe it'll be Michigan this weekend. Uh, I don't expect it to. But uh, yeah, Michigan would be the better matchup.
1: All right, Big Ten, a look around right now as we take a look at the standings. Michigan and Ohio State atop the East with perfect 8-0 records. We all know something gives this week because the game is on the line. Penn State 6-2, Maryland and Michigan State 3-5, Indiana 2-6, and Rutgers 1-7 in the East. And then in the West, we've got the Hawkeyes and Purdue on top at 5-3. Iowa beat Purdue a couple weeks ago at Ross Aid Stadium, so they've got the tiebreaker. All the Hawkeyes need to do is beat North, uh, beat Nebraska this week, and they're back in Indianapolis. Then you've got Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, all at four and four. Huskers at two and six, and Nebraska, uh, Northwestern, I should say, bringing up the rear at one and seven. Look around the Big Ten this week. Only one game on Black Friday, and that would be the one that we're previewing here with Nebraska coming to Iowa City. That's a 3 o'clock kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Circus Sports Iowa has the Hawkeyes as an 11-point favorite. Then on Saturday, Rutgers is at Maryland. Terrapins a 14.5-point favorite, 11 o'clock kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Ohio State and Michigan on Fox, 11 a.m., Buckeyes favored by 7.5. Does Ohio State take care of business? Do they punch their ticket to Indianapolis? Does anybody punch tickets anymore? No, you scan them. Has <laughs> that number come
2: down, Todd? I believe money on Michigan. So.
1: Yeah, I would. These are as of uh, these are as of Wednesday afternoon. Ohio State's beat up, but so Corum.
3: Don't know how he's going to be. I think Ohio State's the better team. They're at home. Um, I I think they got about a ten point win
1: in them. I think they remember what happened last year Mm -hmm. when those two teams got together, too, Mm -hmm. which is why I would give them the uh, slight lean there. 230, the battle for the old oak and bucket in Bloomington. Indiana's a 10.5-point home underdog to Purdue on the Big Ten Network. It used to be the Sweet Sioux Tomahawk. Now they play for the Land of Lincoln Trophy, Northwestern hosting Illinois, getting 14.5 points at 230 on the Big Ten Network. Battle for Paul Bunyan's Axe at Camp Randall Stadium on ESPN at 2:30. Wisconsin favored by a field goal over Minnesota, and then the Land Grant Trophy, one of the uglier trophies in all of college football, on the line in Happy Valley as Penn State, an 18 and a half point favorite over Michigan State. That's a three o'clock kickoff on FS1. That's to take a look at your Big Ten schedule this week. Again, all of those odds courtesy of Circus Sports Iowa. We are coming to you from the Circus Sports Iowa studios on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids. Before we get to predictions for the game itself, let's talk a little bit about a personnel issue that could be hampering the Hawkeyes. We mentioned the safety blanket that, Sam, uh, that Spencer Petras has enjoyed this year in Sam Laporta. He's not going to be available on Friday for the game against the Cornhuskers. Instead, it's going to be Luke Lachey. We talked with him a little bit on Tuesday about taking over at the number one tight end spot.
2: Um,
3: I mean, you know, I think ever, it changes things for everyone, not just me. Uh, um, so I think that um, I think everyone will have to like kind of, you know, like Saturday step up and
1: um, do some more things. Does it concern either of you guys that? Laporte is not going to be out. I mean, he has been option 1A, 1B, and 1C Hmm. for Spencer Petras through most of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean,
3: as you said, every time Sam pete That's his number one guy, as you mentioned. Uh, Everybody knows it. Lachey stepped up. I I thought both tight ends stepped up uh, in the game against Minnesota. But when you don't have your guy out there, um, you're going to notice that right away. Uh, Hopefully the Hawks maybe early get some... You know, high percentage passes off to the wide receivers, and have to be down the field or anything like that, just to let Nebraska know, hey, we can throw it to other guys other than the tight end. So, I think you might see that from Brian uh, on Friday. We'll see.
2: Yeah, you can't help but miss a guy like Laporta, but Lachey very capable. He's uh, he's pretty sure-handed. Um, he's he's going to be uh, maybe targeted more in this game. Uh, Astringa. Addison Estringa, is that right? A freshman out of Wisconsin. He's going to see more time. I don't know who's behind those two guys. Maybe you do, too. We
1: may find out in real time <laughs> on Friday afternoon. Uh, if Spencer were here, he would be able to tell us what high school Addison Ostringa went to in America's Dairyland. Uh, keys to victory for the Hawkeyes in this matchup against Nebraska. If Laporta's not out there... What do the Hawkeyes need to do, especially on offense, to make sure that they're setting up a date with Ohio State or Michigan next week?
3: Run the ball. Oh, Nebraska can't stop the run, and when Iowa runs the ball effectively, they win. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of the run on Friday.
2: They will try, but Petrus has been very good. Spencer Petrus, the senior quarterback, has been. He was good last week. He was good in the the first halves of the previous two games. Uh, His game is coming on a little bit, completing 63% of his passes over the last half a dozen games. Uh, It's going to be a nice day, um, conducive to the passing game, but I agree. Run the ball. Nebraska allowing 195 yards rushing uh, per game. Uh, that's what I was going to try to do. Yeah, we'll see if it can.
1: Caleb Johnson leading Iowa in rushing for the third straight game last week at Minnesota. The fifth time this season that he's led Iowa in rushing. We'll see a healthy dose of him most likely against the Huskers as Iowa and Nebraska kick off Kinnick Stadium Black Friday. It is a three o one start time on the Big Ten Network and time now for our final predictions. Hawkeyes coming in seven and four, five and three in the Big Ten. They are winners of their last four straight. Northwestern Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they've been on a tear running through the Big Ten West. Nebraska three and eight, two and six in the Big Ten. Scott, I'll start with you. Look into the crystal ball. Your prediction for how things play out on Friday. What's the spread? 11 11 and the total the interesting thing here the total uh, 37 now up to 38 points Iowa has been an under team all year but maybe some folks thinking that this could be an exception to the rule and i i don't know the offense would have to come from Iowa in my opinion at that point uh i think it's going to be a good day i think
3: um, i think it's Iowa 24-10 they end up 8-4 I said 8-4 and four to start the year. This ain't the way I thought it was going <laughs> to get to 8-4. <eight> <laughs> but uh, the last thing you can do is bank on any predictions with this 2022 Iowa team. All right. Scott says 24-10. Mark, what do you got?
2: I got 27-13 Iowa. Uh, I don't think is going to have to come from behind like it had to last year in Lincoln. Uh, I think it's going to control this game and a uh, two-touchdown win
1: okay a two touchdown win we mentioned we heard Kirk Ference earlier talking about the separation over the last couple years between these two teams i can't remember what score i told the gazette my prediction was i've got iowa winning the game i'm getting away from the you got to predict the opponent to win the reverse jinx it worked last week i had it minnesota did. winning and took some flack for it from people who didn't realize what i was trying to do there no reverse mojo this week i'm going to take iowa to win the game. I think I had this one somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 to 7. I think is the score that I had here. You mentioned uh, Mitch Sherman of the Athletic was on with us earlier in the week. You got all the Iowa media guys talking about close gains, close gains, close gains. The Nebraska media talking about the fact that Nebraska has not been shut out. Since Arizona State beat them 19 to nothing in 1996, ne- Nebraska's media is prepared for a whitewashing <laughs> on Friday. And I don't know. I mean, if there's any defense that's capable of it, I suppose it would be Iowa's. The end of an era, so to speak, for the Nebraska football program on Friday, as Mickey Joseph is expected to coach his final game as the interim with the Huskers. That'll do it for us at least for the regular season. We may have a postseason pre-Big Ten championship game edition of Before the Boom here from the Circus Sports Iowa studios, depending on what the Hawkeyes do on Friday against Nebraska. Appreciate everybody that has downloaded the podcast this year, either on our website, KGYMRadio.com. You've figured out probably by now, if you're looking at us, we do post the video on our Facebook page, KGYMRadio. So thank you for stopping by and giving us a like there. And don't forget, check out local programming on KGYM, 1600 AM, 102.3, 106.3 FM in Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, respectively. Streaming online at KGYMRadio.com. Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock to 3. It's Spencer on Sports with Spencer Wagon. Hopefully Spencer will be back with us next week if we're doing a pre-Big Ten championship before the boom. The gym class, Scott Unash, Mark Dukes from 3 until 4, and then the Todd Camp Show with Alex Kuhn from 4 until 6. That'll do it. On behalf of everybody here at KGYM, we want to thank you for hanging out with us all football season long. And if you're watching this before, during, or after your Thanksgiving meal on Thursday, we're very thankful that you've chosen to make us part of your routine this football season. Signing off from the Circus Sports Iowa Studios consensus, Hawkeyes are Victors on Friday against the Cornhuskers, we'll find out. How uh, things go and we will break it down in local programming for you coming up on Monday beginning at 2 KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom
2: podcast listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field
1: available on the KGYN app
2: or wherever you get your podcasts